This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Welcome, welcome to the Nerds from the Underground. Once again, this is me, Poet Air, and I'm once again joined with the lovely Chaz Simon. Hello! We're going to be covering two awesome books tonight. And what are they, Chaz? Very excited. Tonight we're doing Once in Future by Boom Studios and Sentient by TKO. Two both great books that are different, but so lovely in different ways. And honestly, these are two of my favorite books from the last year. Sentient, real high up there on it for me. And Once in Future is such a great new adventure book to be put out. Oh, definitely. I'm loving that we're doing these two together. It feels like we're doing sci-fi and a medieval fantasy action that's very modern day. So it's almost like two different genres that evolve together. Exactly. Almost like two like evolved serials too, like the sci-fi serial and then almost like an adventure fantasy serial. Yeah. All right. So first and foremost, we're going to be talking about Once in Future by Kyron Gillen, art by Dan Mora. In colors by Tamara Baumvillain. When a group of nationalists use an ancient artifact to bring a villain from Arthurian myth back from the dead to gain power, ex-monster hunter Bridget McGuire escapes her retirement home and pulls her unsuspecting grandson Duncan, museum curator, into a world of magic and mysticism to defeat a legendary threat. Best-selling writer Kyron Gillen, Russ Manning award-winning artist Dan Mora, explore the mysteries of the past the complicated truths of our history, and the power of family to save the day, especially if that family has a secret bunker of ancient weapons and decades of experience hunting the greatest monsters in Britain's history. So I was real pumped when this book was coming out. I've been a fan of Kyron Gillen for quite some time. I feel like this book kind of gets what I really love about Kyron Gillen, like a free, fun, adventure spirit. And it kind of reminds me just as much of old fantasy Arthur books as much as Indiana Jones. Like kind of just the quest that Bridget takes Duncan on and all the world building just in that first issue. It has such a great first issue. Oh, 100%. It's all thrown and mixed in there perfectly. Like you're, like you're saying, it's got that Indiana Jones serialized sort of adventure action vibe, especially with Bridget, the grandma. Like... If there's not a prequel book for her in the works, there needs to be, because she's super awesome. But I mean, she she smokes, she totes guns, she kicks she's butt. She basically has, she kicks ass. Oh man, she has yeah more weapons than Wesley Snipes' blade. Wields like, them better, even I would say. She, she definitely wields them better. I mean, Wesley Snipes has nothing on Bridget. No, and I I agree that this is definitely a story that plays to Kieran or Kyron's strengths the subversion of traditional storytelling like taking what we know about these stories and playing with them to a way that we don't know them but we recognize them exactly like when the first issue starts like i love how he always plays with lore and especially he has a habit of playing with old miss of england because that's where he's from and sometimes he'll be kind of heavy-handed with it and it's really almost can be cerebral and deep and take a while to like really get going but this issue it starts out with some basically a cult doing something we're not sure yet with all these old school Celtic and Arthurian symbols all around. And then we're pushed right into Duncan, who's having a dinner on first date with the girl. And he's kind of a shy museum curator. 
And then he gets a call. It's not going too hot either. (laughs) No, he's not handling the day well at all. And then Granny calls him. He needs to go help her. Rose, who's the girl he's on the date with, gets drug into it. And the action just picks up immediately. And I'm like, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. But then the questing monster came into it. And the moment the questing monster was brought into the first issue, I was 100% fucking sold. Like, I wanted to know what that beast was. Was it going to come back? And just the fact that if you see it, it means you have to go on a quest. And that just helps end this whole first arc so well with that first meeting. Yeah, it really set it up because this was originally going to be a a miniseries, but it ended up getting extended into an ongoing, which thank goodness, because I'm loving it just as much as you. But that did, I agree, put like a nice little bow on this first arc, the the questing beast. That was really cool, definitely. Yeah, and right after that, we dive right into it. We find out that everything we know about King Arthur is not true. Or maybe it is. That's well, that's what I like about this is. book is it's it's almost like the way that he that Kieran tells stories is the way that Arthur has been told that the best pieces have been amalgamated and and polished up while the tarnished elements have been buried under the mud. Of course, and like kings, you could assume might not be good. And this king is not good. He's a ruthless dictator that only wants Britain for what he considers true Britons. And he's raised back from another world that basically exists coinciding with ours. He's basically has to draw power off other people. And so the first time we meet Arthur, he's like half a corpse that continues to grow and gain more power by basically sucking life from other beings. And and pulling swords from stones. Pulling swords from stones. And that's what sets it up first is the, the hilt. It's not the sword, which gets set off with the hilt of Excalibur. Yeah, the scabbard could heal any wound. So as long as Arthur never dropped it, he wouldn't have a problem. But in the Legends, of course, he loses it. So. Yeah, and that's what made him so powerful was the constant healing ability. And that showing up at the beginning, that I really liked. That that was when I was sold. I'm a big fan of Arthurian legend overall because it's in everything. You got it in the Gargoyles cartoon. We learn about it in school. You got knights. You got all this neat stuff. So it's always kind of been in my, my head. So I was on board... But the cold open in this book with the nationalist group showing up and just that line of like, what do you, what do you want? And then saying, England back. And then it cuts to this whole thing like, wow, this is going to be about knights and swords. We got guys with guns doing wild stuff like this cool blend. So I was sold from that cold open right there. But that scabbard comes full, full circle all the way through this story. Yes, it does. So the full arc and also so much of the core of the story is Bridget and Duncan's family, the Maguires, and how they start out kind of. First of all, Duncan starts out weak. He's a weak curator. Yeah. And by every issue of the series, he becomes more reliant on himself, more of a badass and basically a knight of his own regard. And just watching that personal journey grow is great. Yeah. And Dan Mora's art really gives a life to each character his style is very uniform so everything looks like it belongs but every character feels unique like the way that duncan holds himself even though he's you you described him as kind of wimpy because he is at the beginning and cowardly but he's a pretty fit looking guy he's almost got that that superman that clark kent to him but it's a softness to his face that vulnerability is still there yeah he's definitely always looking fit but he's definitely the way more dan mora is an amazing artist if you guys aren't aware of Dan Mora yet, he's been doing art for Boom for years and doing a lot of covers for DC. He's great. Yeah, he did Klaus with Grant Morrison. Yeah. I read it every Christmas. It's phenomenal. And yeah, all the Klaus books, also phenomenal. 
and just seeing him get, you know, another ongoing series. He did do that Buffy series shortly recently, too. Yeah, he did the first arc on that, and that was pretty good. But, but yeah, his art is really good. And his expressions, like you're saying, like, even though he looked built, Duncan's so humble and, you know, full of humility in the beginning. Timid. And timid. Yeah. And then just through his art, you could see him become more and more confident and no longer scared to do the tasks he must do. And a lot of that is his, yeah. you know, him and Granny's relationship, them growing close together again. She really helps him realize his destiny and how powerful he is in his own right and how he can basically stand up like others can't. Yeah, and there's a good bit of humor in there, too. I think more really succeeds in selling the action look, too. But there are those little moments of surprise between Duncan when when Gran kind of takes charge, almost, where, where Duncan's caught unaware and a, the faces convey so much comedy. But then he gets serious and they still feel like the same guy they're not lost it's not outside of the his range yeah the characters are well established and you know they breathe well in the different situations they're put into and just him finding out more about his family and how connected really to all of this stuff going on with arthur he is and kind of the other characters that come back into it like we get a percival that gets into the story as well who's basically galahad and galahad who sort of replaced percival over time or worked with Percival over time. He's a later addition to a, a three. Yeah, yep. That character is almost the reflection of Duncan in more ways than one. That there. It was a really interesting parallel. Yeah, and then the twist that comes in the middle about a certain character in the book. It really puts how close they are. How they, you know, almost two sides of the same coin. Brothers, almost you would say. Yeah, almost. I also want to quickly highlight the Bonneville colors are just stunning. Like. Regular England, beautiful. When they go into Otherworld, though, otherworldly, they're no other world for it. It's it's, it's beautiful. Sarah Von Villain's colors, yeah, she'll have dark hues, some purple, like, little highlights, and then these amazing greens that Even come out. red sometimes, and, like, the, I know it's some of Mora's art, probably, and some of the magical tendrils and things, but they're highlighted so well with that color that it just, I can't forget about it. Tamara's a top-class colorist the book she's done the last couple of years she just blows me away every time i've seen her take subpar in some books and make it look like exquisite and just really fit with every story like uh the book we will never speak of again that they did for dc vertigo her colors in that book were so good in that grimy little mexican town and it just made that whole series breathe more and just every book she had so much to it's such a good collaboration with all these creators yeah she's phenomenal she really is and the humor is a big thing. You're, you're right. I mean, there's so many funny scenes with Granny, just how she reacts and kind of Duncan's reactions to his grandmother. And also... Even Rose to a certain extent. And Rose, that's just what I was just going to say. Rose to a certain extent, too, oh, is yeah. great. She becomes more comedic. She almost bonds more with Bridget than even Duncan, kind of brings them all close together, and they start becoming this group that are working together. And it has, like, a team on a mission vibe, which is really fun and fast-paced. It's fun that you mentioned Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, because I kind of got a similar vibe from this. Not necessarily a chosen one, but there's monster hunters, and then there's those support people. So, like, Buffy, the the Slayers had their watchers, who were their librarians, and they had all the smarts, and then they did all the fighting or whatever. But it's neat that, that this world has something similar, that no no man is an island in this, that support and family are very important. Yeah, it's almost the main, at least for the first arc, the main kind of story getaway is that family's important you need them there and you're stronger with them right 
And, I mean, it kind of ties into Arthurian legend, too, as far as uh, who your family is and how they're related to you certain, in certain ways as far as blood goes. His his son was pretty close to the old family tree, old King Arthur's, Mordred. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of nice. I hope we get Mordred, too, in some of the future books coming out. The tease in recent issues has been pretty cool for where the direction of the next arc is going. There's a lot more characters it looks like coming in. Hopefully Mordred. It looks like Merlin, maybe, coming up. Merlin should definitely yeah. be coming up soon. And I'm really excited to see Gillen's Merlin. I mean, if you guys aren't sold in this book already, get it. And then eventually you're going to get a Merlin. And once you're into it, you're going to realize how different and cool. Yeah. I just imagine him making Merlin almost like an Alan Moore character. But with some serious magic punk. Like, like how about just snakes around his shoulders snakes spitting out hellfire that would be so and then cool. also just doing all sorts of even like new age type of magic just breaking down stuff with sacred geometry who knows i'm picturing almost like if alan moore was in wicked and divine i feel like that would be the merlin of once in future yeah, yeah, i agree another great book there'd be that fusion of rockstar, rockstar merlin, merlin with a little bit of like that weird dirty edge like if he does to merlin what he had done to king arthur in this first arc i'm really excited to see the the villain that merlin can become yeah i would love you bringing up you know wicked and divine i would love if his merlin is like has been acting like a rock star musician that would be awesome you know for the last 100 years yeah and then he has to come out of hiding and he's just enchanting all of his audiences with his magic and then has to give up his rock and roll tour Come and kick ass with Duncan and Bridget. You know, I have always wondered how Mick Jagger has stayed alive this long. Maybe that's the that's if the they secret. They can make it Mick Jagger. That would just be perfection, right? Even Keith Richards, I'd take him. Oh, I'd, I would take Keith Richards too. <laughs> I mean, Keith Richards might even make more sense because, like, a Grand Wizard just have all his hair up in natural style and just yeah putting that magic out and just it would be. This is why I so long lived. Sharon Gillen, if you're listening to this, please make Keith Richards Merlin. We're all going to love it. Yes. We need a magically rockin' Merlin. Please, Please bring magically rockin' Merlin Keith Richards into the book. Kieran, I love this book. Dan, your art's great. Tamara, every book you do, it impresses me more and more. The first trade of this just came out. I implore all of you to pick it up. It's worth your money. It's such a fun read. It's also different and fresh. And once again, as I've been saying for a while, Boom is just on a hot streak. They're releasing original stories that just grab your attention and they're always fresh and exciting and new. And they have s- always playing with genres. Yeah, they're always playing and with genres. They'll have writers that you might notice from Something the big two everybody. that in these indies books really get to express themselves and show the stories they can really do when it's their own content. And it's, it's fantastic. I love Boom, and I thank them for what they do. I'm so appreciative of what they do in comics right now. Any final words for you, Chaz, on Once in Future? I agree with you. Cannot recommend this book enough. If you love knights, if you love like King Arthur, if you just want a cool action story with magic and fun stuff, you can't go wrong. Once in Future's got it all. Really does. And all right, for our second book tonight, My Indigo Children and Crystal and Star Rainbow Starcasters in the Sky, we have one of my favorite books of 2019, which I actually got from Chaz to borrow. And it's the yeah. This was a must-buy for me. Right when I saw it announced, I knew it was going to go in the pile. 100%. Released by TKO, one of the most wonderful studios for comic book shops and just comic readers. 
the things they do are amazing right now for comics and their release strategies are great. And I, I just love their large format prints. It's amazing. I want to own all of their comics in physical form just because it's such a joy to read them. Kind of nice, too. They offer it graphic novel and single issue, too. So whatever your preference. Single issue comes with a beautiful box, and it looks awesome. And they also have the large format. So without ado, we are talking about Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Walta's Sentient. For Meisner Award winners Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Walta, when an attack kills the adults on a colony ship, the onboard... AI Valerie must help the ship's children survive the perils of space. And Valerie rise to the task. I want you to start off on Senti, and I have a lot of thoughts about how good this is. Go at it, Chess. So, like I said, this was 100% a must-buy for me. It's got Jeff Lemire, who I love, Essex County, and up. Just everything that he's done is phenomenal. And Gabriel Walta has, ever since the vision, and even a little bit before that, has always had that super unique and unforgettable style. And seeing him do this kind of sci-fi, I was so excited. Because his art, this is what I want to talk about first, is his art is so perfect for this era of sci-fi. This is just far enough away, but not so far like Star Trek done. We've figured out all of space, and everything's clean and nice, and you can have whatever you want. It's still like a dirty, real sci-fi and Walter's art and colors really kind of help sell that. Like, it's a struggle to survive. They're they're in space, and it's dangerous. So that was really cool. And also, just the story overall is, like you were saying from that, is there's a attack on this ship. It's a colony ship, so it's all families. And they're traveling from Earth, which is basically on track, like it is now, to be terrible in 100, 200, 300 years. So they're off to this new habitable plane. But there are separatists that don't think that we should be doing that. We've mismanaged Earth. We can't take it with us. So they attack the ship, and it takes out all of the parents. All that's left are the kids. But in their final moments, one of the parents is able to disable the settings on the AI and tells her, imploring, just take care of the children. You need to do it. And that kicks off just an emotional train wreck almost. It's so good. There's so many ups and downs. First off, let's talk about Walta. I love the artist. I've loved him for a long time. I feel like now I maybe have more connections with him than I originally realized. But his facial reactions on characters from Vision, even books like Magneto and stuff he yeah. did like that, his facial reactions for his characters are so good. And the way that this story is built has so much emotions because it's basically about children left with no one to care about them except Valerie, the ship's AI. And it really is a nurturing story about this AI falling in love with these children and teaching them how to grow up. And that's the process we see. And it's such an emotional journey. Our two main characters are Isaac and Lily. And Isaac's mother was a separatist and he's kind of shy, but he's got definitely an insight into engineering. And Lily is the mother of the science officer and her mother was the one that was able to last minute change Valerie back so that she could at least save the children. And Isaac's mother was unfortunately the traitor that caused all the disaster on the ship. And their bond, because in the beginning, pretty much Lily hates Isaac and most of the kids hate Isaac. But through Valerie's nurturing yeah. methods, teaching these children they need to work together and respect and love each other. Because if they don't work together, they're going to die. The ship's not going to run. So throughout the series, this... She teaches them each the tasks they're good at. They all get assigned roles, 
and then they do these roles to make sure the ship is functioning correctly. And through doing this, she's teaching them and raising them. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And even Valerie really has no real physical presence on the ship. She's present in monitors and sometimes in robotic hands or sort of that rover type robot. But for the most part, it's represented just by the voice box. But the way that it's presented is still just as punching as the way that Walter draws the faces. Like, I think Valerie, right when she is given the task of having to take care of everyone, her breaking at that, like, I can't do this, I, I need help, how am I going to do this, we need somebody else, but it's a ship, like, this is this is the computer of the ship that's supposed to take them all to space, why can't it not do this? So it was really cool to see them, that fear in a computer, and not even see it, like, it's... <laughs> Just the reading it. So I don't know if it was Lemire or even just the way that they draw the boxes and, and drew out the lettering, like, just killed me. It's a fear I'm familiar with right now. It's just the fear of becoming a parent for all these kids and doing yeah. it right. And the we should also mention, why don't they call for help, right? That's probably what everybody's out there thinking. The ship should just call for help. They're in a one-year blackout period of communication. They're too far from Earth and they're too far from the planet that it'll take too long, whatever message they send. So they just can't send any. Exactly. And they're also in an area that they send a message and might get picked up by separatists who are on the lookout right. for the ship. So there's a lot of cool things that are bases that are covered that I feel like a lot of people, when they see a story like this, that's about kids surviving with one type of element that seems too unrealistic, even for a comic but lemire really covered all of those potential holes i think um i thought he did really well with that no i agree and also i really do well with like how i said the narration and we were talking about this earlier most of the book in the beginning i thought the narration was from lily but then halfway through you realize it's actually isaac narrating it he is actually our main protagonist and his bond with mother might be the strongest because she really makes isaac believe in himself and not be shy and have him be the yeah. engineer that he needs to be to make the ship be at its max potential and to get them to a place where they can all survive and live. And that really, I don't want to give it away, but near the end, that relationship becomes so much more apparent. You can see it grow, you can see where the seed gets planted, and then when you see the flower that grows from it, it's just devastating. It, it is devastating. It's just from having an abusive, you know, not healthy mother that he was around to then having the mother he always needed with Valerie. Right. And their bond is just so strong. And she, you know, she really helps people to believe in Valerie and there's switches in it. Whereas all of a sudden, then the rest of the crew don't like Lily because she's kind of headstrong because she's angry because her mother died and she's just expressing herself in ways and making stupid decisions that not only put her at risk, but the entire ship. Right. Yeah. That part mm, makes me so mad for being so like, a rock almost for that series like definitely going through their things but boy when she makes that choice killed me and that brings us to valerie's opposite because there's more than one sentient ship yeah can and there's have. another sentient ship that's named victor and he's evil and he wants to absorb valerie and that's when the main action because mostly it is a story about a family working together surviving but then we do get a lot of action and it quickly shifts from a family survival story to a straight survival action story with all these kids having to work together so that they can make it through to the next day and get to where they need to go yeah and that was really cool it had almost that like locked room thriller feel because it's space they can't run away so where are they gonna go they know the ship better than 
these new characters, but there's it's still a ship. It's finite. And having somebody like Victor in charge of that other group, or even a more capable AI, kind of, just as dangerous. Very true. And I mean, it's true. There's many movies we've seen or stories are written that are very similar to this, except it's children in the main core. Like, and this would also make a great cinematic adaptation because it'd be different. Oh, definitely. One thing is it'd be a little violent. I, so I don't know how you could sell it. Oh, yeah. To, like Disney. Disney would never do it. No. And it even reminds me of the Lord Alex Garland sunshine a bit, just with yeah. the crew in space and then running into a ship that is quote unquote evacuated yeah the old derelict spaceship let's go see what's on there never gone well for anybody i will say this though one of my other favorite parts about this even though we're talking about the derelict spaceship trope is that it subverts the traditional ai off the leash story this could have been them surviving a overly motherly robot that like was trying to kill them for a long time but having the ai become the mom is a much stronger story yeah way more emotional and uh, not reliant on that jump scare oh there's a robot behind me oh Much there's a robot behind that story, door yeah oh the door almost cut me in half you know so yes exactly just her actually nurturing and being the ai it's the opposite of how it's an ai that wants nothing but to help humanity basically and these children that have become her children yeah it's beautiful succeed and become functioning adults like more than anything she wants to have them grow into functioning adults, which is what every parent would want their child to do. Right. Unless you're Victor. Unless you're Victor. I mean, in Victor, you can't blame it because, I mean, we all know about a derelict ship honeypot. And who hasn't? That's true. Who has not been caught by a derelict ship honeypot? You get, you see the honeypot, you're like, ooh, look at this nice ship. It's looking real nice. No Maybe one's we'll in it. S- looks just, we'll looks like the it inside. wants me to go inside this little honeypot ship Ooh, it's wants me to get right open. in with it. And then, oh shit, it's a honeypot. You're fucked. Do you almost think, between Val and Victor, that this story almost shows in this universe that AI is impressionable? That if you if you put the good in, that the locks come off, Valerie, protect these children. And then she does it. She becomes motherly. She becomes good. She takes on all these new things. Then you have somebody like Victor, who probably was just a regular old ship ai who extremists took over they took the things off and told him no more chains except for ours and he was like cool once we're done i'm out but it's interesting that they have two very different ends like i guess that they're unique which is cool artificial intelligences shouldn't be the same we shouldn't all have series or alexis but it's kind of interesting isn't it no yeah it's definitely interesting all the tropes and story details he plays with this are very interesting and the ways he uses his storytelling abilities just to get these reactions and emotions and situations in something that could be a base sci-fi and turning them into something that you can just analyze. I mean, it's about motherly nurture and love. It's about current social issues with the extremists. It's, the, it's about forgiving people and letting people being put to their potential. It's about people standing up becoming the leader they need to be yeah and not recognizing that we're not our parents no matter what they want for us we're still our own people isaac is not a traitor like his mom so no isaac is not a traitor and not to give too much away but he's his whole journey the great arc of the book is he really is so important to that ship he's the heart of the ship yeah and eventually i mean not spoilers i'd say like he would be 
a great person to lead them in the the situations they get into after the book. Definitely. I think if if Isaac is the heart, Lily is the muscle. Lily is the muscle, yes. The muscle or the super strong skull. She's that headstrong, I'm just going to headbutt right through it. Whoops. An opposite for her mom, the headstrong. No one's going to tell me I can't do what I want to do. Until I think it then, like all people that live that way, I used to be that way. Right. And Not even my mom. Then eventually something happened to me and I was like, you know what, I got to work with other yeah. people. And oh yeah, we all are. Try to help out my friends because if I'm too headstrong and I'm not thinking about the people in my surroundings and environment, I'll end up hurting people besides just me. And then that's going to be on me. Yeah, what can you bring to the community is what I feel like this book is about. That we can all rise to meet any exactly. challenge as long as we have each other. And as long as we believe in ourselves and look out for everyone else and use our strengths, not just for ourselves, but for the community and work as one, as we always should in the world today, it works so much better because everyone has a place in a community like that. Everyone has a place in a village like that, a city like that, a country like that. As long as we can just learn to work together and see that there's value in each and every one of us and we're all equal, equal in being able to work together and build all of us up together. Right. And become more. Become ourselves. Yep. And once we become more, we truly become our true selves. Exactly. Right. Yeah. This book is phenomenal. Cannot recommend it enough. If you just need a good sci-fi story not related to anything, just want to pick up a good solid volume, this one, Sentient by TKO. This is the TKO book. I would say hands down pick up. If you're first time buying from TKO, I would say buy this book. It has all these themes we're talking about in it. You're going to grow a little bit learn more about yourself and how we can all work together a a bit better in it and learn how no one is going to be defined by what they're told they are or who they come from that anyone can adapt to be the exact best person they need to be for the good of all right by what we do yes by what we do not what we've done what we're supposed to do but what we actually do right yeah beautiful and we're gonna talk a little about but let's wrap up on this and then let's talk about tko for a little bit So Sentient, as Chaz just said, I mean, just pick up the book. Definitely support TKO anyway. We're going to get into in a moment about how awesome this company is. But support these guys and support Lemire and the whole company and Walta because they put a lot into this book. And it's going to be worth every dollar you pay and the lessons and stories you get from this book. The insane part is this is all just in six issues. Everything that we just talked about. All of these themes, all of the stuff that we felt, all got us in a single volume that's available all right now. And one complete story. And you could buy it either in six single issues in a box, or you could buy the trade. And they all look beautiful in their large print. And the paper, I'm a paper guy with my comics. The oh, paper it's print so nice. is nice. It's thick. And it's that real paper, not the glossy one. It smells good. Yeah, it's, it's got that good comic but smell, not quite. but it's just a thick print. Mm-hmm. It's what I would want all my comics to be printed on. It's so nice. So now we're going to talk a little bit about TKO. First up, I'm going to let Chaz kind of take over on this. Chaz is my captain and extraordinaire at my LCS, Maximum Comics, in Las Vegas. He's a great manager, and TKO not only is a great comic book company, if you go to get it right, if you want to go online right now and learn a bit more about TKO, you can go. It is a... It is TKOPresents.com, exactly. Go and learn about those books. Pick a few of them, read. They're all good. Yeah. And TKO is so here for the community, especially in this time of COVID, 
and how rough it is on local comic shops and retail everywhere and all workers that are out of jobs and so many artists and creatives, they're out of yeah. jobs. TKO has gone out of their way to help people and understands the importance of and the, the LCS. Some of the Chaz take over. TKO is definitely important to me too. Chaz, why don't you tell me why TKO is so important to you? So like you were saying, I am the manager of your LCS out here in Las Vegas. I've uh, done that for 12 years and TKO has one of the best like debut, I think, from a small press publisher in a long time. The binge model, the choice between formats, it's all incredible. TKOPresents.com is where you go to check that out. You can try out the first issue of any other books for free on their site. You can download them and check them out. So if you're not sold after we talked about this one, you will be after that first issue. But the best part about it, especially right now, and like Michael was saying, with COVID and everything that's going on and how impacted everyone has been from creators to the local LCS to everybody else, what they're doing is 50% of the sale on their site. So if you buy something on their site, you get to select the local comic shop of your choice, and they will give 50% of your purchase price to that store. So anything that you buy on there, if you decide to pick up this Sarah by Garth Ennis, which is phenomenal. I also really like Seven Deadly Sins. Just any of the ones that you decide to try, you select your store, your local shop, they'll get some money from TKO, which is awesome. It's really cool to see somebody that is their own deal still helping the local comic shop. So I cannot recommend them enough. Hell yeah, I can't either. I'm going to pick up some more books from them pretty much real soon. Maybe even after this podcast. Worth it. Fearsome Dr. Fan. Doesn't get enough press, but if you're looking for a pulpy adventure, check it out. I Yeah, I was thinking about checking that one out. Well, once again, our lovely followers and listeners, our party people. Yes, indeed. Our Indigo tribe, our survivors of the wasteland. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Yeah, thanks for we listening. We are once again... The Nerds from the Underground. We are part of the Nerdy Legion Network. You can always check us out on iTunes. And you can also check out a lot of other Nerdy Legion podcasts on iTunes too, which are also great. So definitely give those guys a listen too. You can find me, as always, on Twitter as Poet Air. My tag is PoetAir33. And where can they find you, Chaz? You can find me on Twitter as well, at Chaz Simons. One day I'll be famous enough for it. You will. You'll be the only Chaz Simons. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. And good journey. Bye, everybody.